Testing, testing. Alright, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. perfect. Peter, thank you ever so much for joining us today. To my right, we have Mufti Maza. And at the back of the screen, we have Reza. He's behind the scenes. He's our podcast producer. He might have a couple of things, entrances here and there as, as things get spicy. Peter, um, lucky for me, um, you have skyrocketed in fame in the last six, seven, eight months. Uh, at one point, you were trending on Twitter as well. I think that's where <laughs> two, I... Two points, two points. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's when I knew Peter Ball. Uh, yeah. You were trending. I'm like, Peter Ball? Who's Peter Ball? So I looked into you and you know someone is the real deal when they have a Wikipedia page. <laughs> and you have a Wikipedia page. And before this podcast, I went on a Wikipedia spree and watched your videos and whatnot. But I'm going to get straight into it. Um, you're, you're an Olympian. You went on the Commonwealth Games. My question to you is, would you rather have a gold medal at the Commonwealth Games or a silver medal at the Olympics? Whoa, that's, that's a spicy question straight up. Um, but it's an easy one, I think, a silver medal. At the Olympics, at the Olympic Games, because the Olympic Games lets everyone compete. Yeah. While mm-hmm. the Commonwealth Games just Commonwealth Nations, so essentially at the Olympics you have the best in the world. And I mean, I'm in the sport because I'm competitive and I want to be the best in the world. And the Commonwealth, you're the best in the Commonwealth Nations. So yeah, um, I'd much rather a silver medal at the Olympics for sure. I, I thought you'd say that because Olympics, obviously, the whole world's competing. It's so competitive. Um, obviously, the the Tokyo Olympics, you know, COVID ruined it, right? And and there wasn't, I don't know, I can't remember if there were any fans at stadiums and whatnot. Were there fans at, at the Tokyo Stadium? Interesting. I, I think you said COVID ruined it. I think it depends on the on the different athletes. Right. Um, like athletes that were like at the end of their career and must have been like their final Olympic Games. Absolutely, I felt mm. yeah. I felt sorry for those guys, and at the same time, um, athletes that were injured and were going to miss out anyways, they were pretty they were pretty happy. Like COVID actually gave them an extra year to yeah. kind of prepare. For me, I was like right in the middle. It didn't matter whether it happened um, twenty twenty or twenty twenty one, but for me, I think it was much better that it happened twenty twenty one because in twenty twenty, I was like I was training and I was like, man, I'm getting. I'm like, I'm building a beast. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm getting strong, mentally strong, physically strong, but I need a little bit extra time. And, you know, that extra year, I worked on the same thing, just being more consistent. So, man, I was elevated by the time it came to the, the Olympics in um, 2021. And there was no crowds yeah. on, on the stadiums. There was no crowds there. Because you went to Rio. Yeah. And the crowds are there, mm. right? Yeah. Buzzing. And then you went to Tokyo, there's no crowds. Yeah, no crowds whatsoever. Right, you're working for four years, and then boom, there's no crowd. Yeah, it's heartbreak. Sh- it's it, it depends. Like we speak about mindset a lot later on, but it depends because once once you're like competing at those championships, or whether you're working stuff like that, even in an office, when you're in the zone, like everything is kind of silent, anyways. So right. like right. Um, the crowd gives you energy, obviously. But at the same time, my best races, even at the Commonwealth Games, which this year recently that happened, there was so much crowds. But at the same time, like. Once you get in that stadium, you just silence everything and you can hear your own breath, you mm. know, with all that noise behind you. So not having a crowd, it was unfortunate, unfortunate for the city because I think it would have been, would have been beautiful. But at the same time, we, you had to understand it was like a whole pandemic affecting, mm-hmm. affecting the whole world. And, and, you know, massive credit for Tokyo for taking the risk to actually allow the games to happen. Um, let us continue following our dreams and whatnot. And, and if it meant... Again, like if it meant I was going to go to the Olympics with no crowd, I'd rather do that than not go to the Olympics yeah, at all. Of course. So, uh, and like we're here because of the Olympic Games. Like, would we, would we actually be here if that Olympic Games didn't happen at all? 
like my journey would be completely different like mm-hmm. i would not be trending on twitter for sure hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. you know as an athlete particularly in like track and field and whatnot um how do you go about and this is a technical thing that i've always wondered about people who are in sort of running particularly how do you pick your distance how do you know that <laughs> 800 meters is my sweet spot nothing more not less um how, how do you pick that there's some really good questions so at school at school as i, I started off with uh as cross country because it was it was compulsory you know um I, ca- I came from egypt and and then like you realize you come to school here and it's like everything's compulsory like what like i have to run i have to swim and whatnot um so i was good at the long distance stuff and to be honest i think i was more of a long distance runner than 800 but then i just there's something about the 800 was like i was quite lazy so i didn't want to do the long training and the yeah. long runs <laughs> and I was also too skinny to be a speed star. Uh-huh. Right. So it was like the 800 was just a perfect in the middle sweet spot. Wow. And and to top it off, I was I was winning the 800. So I was like, man, like, you know, like entertain, like, okay, I'm the fastest at school. Like, can I be the fastest out of everyone else around Perth? And then like you start entertaining these ideas, like, can I be the fastest in the state? And then you just tick that off. And then like, can I be the fastest in the country? And like right now we're sitting and like, I'm sitting thinking the same thing that I was thinking back 11 years ago, whatever it was when I was in school. It's like now, but now it's different. Like, can I be the fastest in the world? Mm. And like, that's that's how it all starts. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, another thing that's always fascinated me is that how is it that people who have come from Africa are so good when it comes to running compared to anybody else in the world? What is it about that part of the world that produces these awesome athletes like you look at obviously Usain Bolt and all these sorts of guys who come from that continent who are just supremely athletic relative to any other human being on planet earth what what do you attribute that to um I actually have a few theories I don't know how, how true they are but I mean it's the same question like why Australians so good good at swimming and like you realize like every single capital city surrounded by the ocean and and like that's not just it but like when I came to school here first the um, we had to do swimming training at school. Like mm-hmm. you had to learn to swim, and they start swimming at like three, two, whatever it is. Um, same, same as back home. One is like it depends where you're from. Like you, you have East Africa, which is where I'm from. Like you have the um, Sudanese, but you have the Kenyans, the Ethiopians that dominate the distance, the really running. long distance. Yeah, yeah. And the Ugandans, but they're lean. They're small. You know, it it helps being lean and being small because you're carrying less weight around the track. Um, on top of that, like you have Kenya, that's um that's mountains like altitude that train at altitude so when they come down it's like easy to breathe you know when man the altitude is like about 200,000 meters above sea level I mean I've trained at altitude before and could you not I ran for 30 minutes I had to stop you know it takes you a long time to adapt um, to that type of training but they're born in that environment uh, so I think I think that's one theory and then I guess too is like it's culture matters too um, like Kenya is called the home of champions like so in Australia, I'm the f- obviously the fastest in Australia over 800 meters, and then you have you have Kenya to make the Olympics team. You have to be in the top in the top top people in the world. Like mm. if this, so put this into perspective, right? To make the Olympic team in the 800, you have to run the 800, which is two laps. You have to run it in 1:45, a minute 45. Um, in Kenya, most of them don't even know what the standard is because if you're worried about 1:45, you're definitely not making the Olympics. Really? To make to make the Olympic because only only three people can go per country. So essentially you have you have over 10 people that can run that time with no issue. So to make the Olympic team there you have to run 143. While here like the competition is insane. But change it over to swimming. Oh yeah. Like the swimmers we take the best swimmers because the 
it's like competition here. Whoever wins the swimming trials here is guaranteed to kind of win, win a medal. Whoever wins the trials in Kenya is guaranteed to win a medal kind of the Olympic Games. Um, and I remember earlier this year I was watching, I was watching the trials for, for the Kenyan trials um, and it was the most intense trials. I'm like, this is worse than the Olympic Games. <laughs> you have 11 people running that can all run the standard is the most stressful thing. And then I'm running, I'm running the trials, which put into perspective, I think I won my trials in 147. They won it in like 144. One, and like that's, that's the competition you need to be. So that's wow. the hunger. So um, it's the same reason when I first moved, when I was in Perth and I was winning by so much, I had to move to Melbourne because the competition was here and then I got better. And that's like now, like you're the best in Australia now. So that's why we go to Europe every year because to put it yourself among the best people. So that's how you kind of get better. And mm-hmm. th- wherever the competition is, wherever the culture is and... That's where high performance happens. Yeah. Take us through, you know, you're at the Olympic Games or the Commonwealth Games. You're competing. And because I, I used to do taekwondo growing up, right? I, I quit when I was like 11. So I didn't go to levels as you did. I gave up. Um, and in taekwondo, there used to be, there used to be tournaments, right? And, and before the tournament, you know, there's, there's hundreds and probably thousands of people in this building just watching the taekwondo tournament. And I'm going to compete. And I'd have a couple of cries because the stress gets to me. (laughs) 15 toilet breaks. And I'm there. I'm like, Dad, I don't want to do this. Right? The stress is immense. So I can't imagine, you know, what sort of mental stress goes when you're at the Olympics or the Commonwealth Games. You've got thousands, millions of viewers all around the world. How do you cope with that? What are some rituals or what do you do to relax your body or yourself or your mind? So there's a few things and I'll share it through stories because I think people can relate to stories. Number one is experience. You have to. You have to have experience. You have to put yourself through that stress, through that nerves. Like you're always going to get that. Some people get it earlier at junior competitions and go up, international competitions and whatnot. And over time, you just like get used to that environment and and you're okay. But the the goal is never to like not be um, nervous or whatnot. The goal is always to learn how to control control the pressures and the nerves because they're always kind of going to be there whether you're sitting a test at school whether you've got um a job interview or whatever it's going to be there like you just got to learn to control it right and it happens over time um so that's number one but num- number two man at my first olympic games i was in rio uh i don't know if many people know this but i think i woke up at maybe four in the morning man i was sweating i was nervous i couldn't get back to sleep um i got ran out of my heat and then fast forward five years later I've been to two. So Rio was my first ever international competition. So fast forward five years later uh, uh, in Tokyo, I've been to two world championships. Although they weren't successful, at least I was there. I've been to Europe every single year leading up to that. And then, you know, from waking up at four in the morning, like sweating and nervous to like Tokyo, I had to put an alarm. Like I was just chilling. <laughs> like <laughs> there was nothing to be nervous <laughs> yeah. about. Like, I mean, I wasn't stressing. I was like, man, I've been here before. Uh, and I know I know what to do. I know what, what how to get the job done. And then so that's experience. And then number two, you've got to put the work. Like like I know at school, I remember when I was at school and when exams come, when I was nervous, I'm not in study. Like I'm nervous because I have no idea what's gonna be there. But when I studied I usually go in there like oh like, you know, it kinda work out. You know what you don't know, um you don't know, but what if you studied the right content and whatnot, you you should be all right and you're kind of not nervous and it helps it helps to put that work it's it's required uh i was in i was in brisbane last year and i did a workout my coach sent me and this was a few months before the olympics and i finished the workout and i was just like man 
I was honestly sat there thinking to myself, I was like, and that's and there's there's a difference between arrogance and confidence, and and I think in sports you need a bit of both, um, and that self belief. And I, I was just like, after the workout, I'm like, my coach is Justin. I'm like, man, Justin, Justin's building a beast. Like I finished that workout, I'm like, there is no way in this whole world there can be like more than five people that are faster than me after that workout. And I just felt that peace, and I felt confident. I was like, let's go. And remember that that time, the Australian team was was actually recommended not to fly out um, to Europe to compete beforehand because the risk of getting COVID. We we were recommended to stay in Australia and fly straight to Tokyo to minimize the risk of COVID. And but I said no, like I want to go to Europe and I want to compete against who I'm going to compete against in the Olympics. Like I'm going to take that risk because I need to prepare for myself. So that's that's the preparation part. You got to put in the work and then you got to be prepared. And I went to Europe and I raced one race. And I kid you not, like I ran, I think it was like 144. And 144 was fast, 800. And it just felt so easy. I was looking around and I was beating these guys that were running 143. And then it went from like, there's no way there's like 10 or five people faster than me. I was like, man, I might have it here. I'm, I might actually be in the best position to win the Olympic Games. So it's like, I went into that Games as like, man, I was just ready. And to top it up, I was prepared. I knew I knew what it meant to be at the final because Australia hasn't had anyone in the final, so I knew the hype that would come with it, and I knew how to stay grounded. So when all the hype was coming, man, I just embraced it. I was like, create, always create the hype, create it, create it, create it, because because like as a business, that's that's your marketing, right? Mm. Um, create it, create it, create it, but don't don't ever believe it and, and get lost in it. Mm. Like, you, you so you you feed off that energy. I feel it. Let, it lets off this huge energy, that hype, that that intensity. Yeah. And some people can they they rise to the occasion because of that energy, and some people just crumble under the pressure. One hundred percent. And the Olympic Games, the Commonwealth Games final, was the moist. I was peace. Was no nerves. I'm just like it's a challenge. Like let's let's rise to the occasion. Like. Um, I wanna verse the best in the world, and funny enough, I get more nervous in Australia than than I was. Like my first race this year, uh, I threw up before the race. I was Jeez. that nervous, and then at the Commonwealth Games, man, I was just like smiling. I was like, man, I can't, why is it? I can't wait. What happened? What happened? I, here? I think that is because like the expectations. You you're you've got so much to lose here, while mm. you don't have so much to lose over there because you are versing the best in the yeah, world right. and whatnot. Mm. And in Australia, everyone thinks you're the greatest mm. and and everyone's watching you, but around the world is like, huh, hmm. Like, um, like let's let's try, let's try to get the the win. But I think the goal over time is to make sure they're like there's no difference between between both. And I say that because my goal has always been to have no difference between competition and training. In that sense is um the way the way you train is going to be with intent the same way the way you compete same thing man like at work and stuff like that when when you're doing work at work or outside of work you know the, the intent always has to be has to match it shouldn't be much difference yeah, 100%. now in, in the 800 meter run is it all about the fastest or is there like strategy involved no nah, it's never about the fastest it's all about tactics and strategy so so what the kenyans enjoy doing is is getting to the front and putting the handbrake down because they're fast over over the last 200 meters mm. and if they put the handbrake at 200 slow everyone down and they're already at the front it's pretty hard for someone at the back to beat them you know um and then at the same time you don't want to be at the front because like especially for the windy race you're breaking all the wind and people mm. just kind of come past you so strategy does matter at, at, at some time at one point it didn't when you had some people that were just front runners and you knew they got to the front so which which happened in my heat i knew there was a front runner so i broke 
I broke the national record in my heat run. And I think it was the second fastest time in Olympic history um, ever. And then the final was, just, was slow. The final was slower than both heat and semis because it was tactical. No one got to the front. I got to the front and it was just slow. And then, you know, who won? The fastest people that could run 400 faster than anyone else. The mm-hmm. guy that won can cover the 400 in about 44 seconds. There is no one in that whole field that can run the 400 faster than 45. I could probably cover it in 46. Well, um, when you're in front, can't you just like slow down and let people go through? You you can, but no one really goes behind. No one really goes in front. So we did we similarly raced that in. So you control the speed. Is that is that? Is yeah, that you happens? control the speed. So oh. we similarly did that at the Commonwealth Games. So this time I didn't get at the front. I let the Kenyan get there, but he slowed it down so much that it didn't actually impact him too much, mm-hmm. and he still had so much energy and like me and him on the front and then we just kicked there was no way anyone else was going to catch us we're already the best two in the field two favorites and these guys are giving us head start there's no way they're going to beat us like how do, how do you beat someone that's already better than you and you're giving them a head start at the front it's just it's just impossible it's like it's like you can't you can you can be talent more talented than someone but if they you can't outwork them like they can always outwork you now before your races is this, do you have like a ritual? Do you do something? Do you pray? Or do you just, you know what? I'm lining up. Let's just uh, go for it. Yeah. And, and are you superstitious? A lot of athletes, a lot of sports people are superstitious. Uh, you get cricket players who are like, oh, yeah, I need to tie this shoe on before that shoe. I need to pick up my bat with this hand. I need to kiss this. I need to hug that. What goes on? Yeah, there's a, there's a lot that. And, and I love seeing it from different athletes. Like watching the tennis, you see people crossing each different line and stuff like that. Yeah. I think it's pretty cool. It's pretty interesting. I try not to be because every race in a different environment. So, for example, I know um, a lot of people listen to music. So I, I intentionally try to re- listen to music before a race sometimes and try not to, like in case you don't have your headphones. Like, in, mm. for example, like uh, before Tokyo, I was listening to music before warming up for every race. But in Tokyo, it was so humid. I was like, I can't really listen to music like your headphones are. So I was just calm. Like then you're not stressed. You got to reduce as much stress as possible. So, yeah, so if it helps you, it helps you. Like if if you feel like you got to eat the right rice the night before, or the right pasta, or um, you got to tie your shoes a certain way, and that helps you, then it's it's all about what you believe, really. But for me personally, man, I'm I have this motto is like um, uh, same same distance, just different environment. So mm. um, it's the same 800 meter race that I've raced like 11 years ago when I started it's still 800 meters I am not tested like like at school at least you get a you get a you get like to practice and stuff like that and sometimes you can get different different tests on the day but I'm still running the 800 meters the only difference is is like where it is the location so whether it's Tokyo whether it's Perth it's still running 800 meters I'm not getting there and they're like okay today we're gonna run 820 meters like that would be a bit different but we're still running 800 meters the only difference is it's like who you're competing against in the conditions and the environment and once you understand that's like not under your control, then then you, you're good to go. But it takes years and years and experience and experience. And, and it's a lot easier for me to say it and try to convince everyone that. But you truly have to believe it. Like I used to know these things, but it's, it wasn't until I believed it that, uh, that it actually made a difference. Mm. You, you talk about what you've done over 11 years of, of training and, and, and racing and whatnot. Was it always athletics for you or where did this journey really start for you when did you realize that look you know what i, I really should pursue this properly professionally now it was, it was always basketball so i went to school on a basketball 
basketball scholarship and I didn't start running till I was in year 11 so about 17 17 years old that's quite late relative to other people yeah, yeah. quite late which is advantage and disadvantage okay. um, the disadvantage was there's a lot of things that you missed out like um, like the drills and stuff like that to get you the the experience of racing different kids and going to championships and stuff like that which showed at the at the Olympic Games the Olympic Games was my first international the time I wore Australian singular then mm. I was like man like I wish I went to a world juniors I went to a commonwealth games before this but um, and then the advantage is at 17 well obviously me back then at 17 anyways like I mean my parents I know I don't know many uh, migrant parents like that force you into sports it's usually education and whatnot yeah. so which which was like a massive asset for me like if I wanted to go to training I had to make sure to go by myself so so at an early age I knew that I wanted it and I knew if I didn't want to train uh, I never went so like every time I was at training I went there with a purpose and I mm. went there to train like it wasn't I used to see kids getting dragged by their parents and like and like and like their parents passing them Gatorades and asking them where do you want to go after I was like man that must be nice you know <laughs> while I was catching like buses and whatnot to get to training yes. um, so that was a massive asset for me it's like you know you get to training you're there for a purpose while the other kids like lost that because I think their parents were pushing them directing them towards yeah. that and it was like my self-discovery was like on my own and it's like self-discovery should be with yourself you should be guided by other people by parents yeah. and stuff like that and I and I mean I wish my parents did certain things but at the same time I think it was it was fine like this they, they just said if you want to go to training you you go to training if you you put in you put it all it's like mm. the power of intent well what, 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 what was your parents sort of a grand plan for you um, you, you you said it correctly. Most migrant parents, like our parents, are, yeah. oh, you know, you have to go to school, then you have to go to university, then you have to get a job, a nice big corporate job, and earn a, a good salary. For obviously, yourself coming from a migrant family as well. Yeah. What was the grand plan there? Ex- exactly that. Like, get education because they, they didn't get education. Um, focus on your school. Uh, get married, have kids, and and all of that stuff. And then and then later on, they realized like um, I guess I had to I had to do it pretty early on. Like I knew my parents would be flexible if I kept them off my case, and uh-huh. meaning meaning that is like you you can't go to school and and not do well. If you okay. do well at school, then your parents are more like they're like okay, you can go to sports and do whatever yeah. you want. So you had to like learn how to balance pretty early. Like it's not just sports you got to do, which is which is I think is is clever for parents to for yeah. their kids because education is important whether you go to university or not. Education is powerful, right? Mm. So. So for them, that was that. And then, I mean, but the best thing about my parents, I think it was, um, number one, like if you're talking about priorities, like, of course, education is there. Um, religion was always on top. Your health is always there. But the best thing was like, um, th- they prioritized the most. It's like, are you happy or not? Like, they just, and I was like, keep you happy. Like, and make sure you're doing everything that you want to do with intent and, and that stuff like that. So that's, I give that so much credit to them. Like, wow. it was never like, ah. Oh, and that, and that helped me as an athlete because I know a lot of kids when I was growing up, like they felt like they let their parents down when they didn't mm. when they didn't win or lose. Like man, my parents didn't didn't know if I won or lost the race. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there was never there was never any pressure from them. Yeah. The only pressure was the pressure that I inflicted on myself. Um, like my till this day, my parents are the most supportive parents. But till this day, they don't know how fast I ran eight hundred meters. But they're the most supportive people, like my mm. whole family. Like, um, and like you saw during, like part of my story where I blew up. Like you, you saw my family go crazy. Oh, it's it's yeah. huge because that, that, yeah. that's massive. But but yeah. that's culture. Like like I, t- I tell I tell everyone like especially um, people that ask me like man, you have massive family. Do you know everyone there? I'm like, I'm like 
that's not just for me on a regular basis. It's just because I've seen on TV. Like my little nephew had a birthday party and they were going crazy like that. <laughs> so so I'm, I'm not any more special, you know? Like um, it's, it's just how we celebrate each other and, yeah. and, that, and that's the power of culture, right? Um, it hap- it, to be honest, I think it was bigger in Rio. It just wasn't successful. There wasn't cameras around. Mm. So um, the fact that Tokyo was successful and it was seen and I think that's why it was important that we get to tell our own story in a yeah. certain way. How did your mom react when you brought the medal? To it. Did she hold it? Did she cry? Yeah, no, she, your son. No, nah, the, the whole world took photos with it. Um, the kids loved it. I think the kids are the best because because they love possessions, so they yeah, love the medals and whatnot. Uh, my mom was just super proud, man. Like um, she knew how hard I worked and like in the short time that I came and and the struggles that I went through to get there. Like earlier on, because I mean I have I have five five brothers, so. You know, it's not that my parents never went there to watch me compete and whatnot. Like, man, like these these are my parents that moved moved to a new country with with five kids. Like, um, where can you spend your time? Like, you've got you've got your sister, you've got your brothers, you've got all that. They can't be everywhere while supporting supporting the family. So, so for them it was like, man, like we're so proud of how far you went and that. Like, like the medal is important, but it doesn't really matter. Like, like the real the real win is like the impact that you made and. And the lives that you can change and like all these african kids and as well as like every other kids around australia like they just want to know and they want to know how you do it and, and stuff like that and bringing all that together so i think for them that was more important than the medal and for me personally like i always i always want the medal but like i couldn't honestly tell you where my commonwealth medal is right now mm. like and nor do i care do you know um, where it is no i've no idea where it is <laughs> i've no idea where any of my medals are uh, to be honest, um, as soon as I finish, I give it to my coach or something. I never see him again. Um, but I do want to win because I'm in it for the competition. 100%. I'm in it for the journey. Um, I'm not in it for the possessions and whatnot. Like it's important maybe later on to to have a collection of it. But yeah, like, you touched on how you know the you, know, you winning a medal is not the main thing. It's more like the power you have now because yeah. Peter Ball is blowing up, right? You know, yeah. even in the Muslim community, it's a lot of people are starting to know who Peter Ball is. And I, I guess with that comes a lot of a lot of power. And you, know, you could influence a lot of people and you could do a lot of good or you could do a lot of bad. That's, that's what comes with influence. And I could just imagine, you know, what sort of influence Peter Ball could have with a gold medal. Yeah. Right? And I, I'm, now, with the next Olympics, how does that work? Now, do you, are you already in there or do you have to qualify for it? How does that work? Because obviously the whole Muslim world is going to root for Peter Ball now to get that gold and you want the gold, right? Yeah, of course. So of course. how does that work? Are you in there now? Or nah, Explain I'm, I'm the not, process. I'm not in there yet. I'm not in there yet. Um, you have to actually qualify on the year just to show that right. you're in shape in that year. And I mean, I'm confident, you know, um, that I'll, I'll get there if... I'll get there, not just get there. I mean, that's the thing, right? Um, first Olympics, I wanted to get there, but now, mm. like, I don't even think about the process of getting there. I think about the process of like winning, winning, winning the mm. whole thing. Like before, it was like I used to set goals, like I want to make it to the Commonwealth Games. I want to make, like, I haven't set a goal like that in years. Like my goals are like now focus on like I want to win the thing. Mm-hmm. Like, um, so I never worry about the process. I don't know what the qualifying time is. Uh, same as the Kenyans, the best in the world. They don't, they don't know, they don't know what time they have to run to qualify. Sometimes they just, they just know they have to come top three in that trial and, and they're going to try to come top three in, in the final of the Olympic Games. So that's that's my mentality now and look how much it developed over time. Like I'll, from being like a passenger, like I want to get on that plane and experience to like, mm, I've already experienced it. I actually want to win the thing. 
Yeah, 100%. I remember when I won my useless Taekwondo medals. Again, I don't know where they are. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I had but like, it means so much at the time, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> when I was, when I was, like When I quit Taekwondo, I had like 13 trophies. They're all in the bin. They're all gone. Right, yeah. My medals, I don't know where the hell they are. Again, I mean, it's not at your level of medalness, but at that time, it's like, wow. And then it just vanishes. I don't know where, mm. where it goes. Family has it. Family, mom hides it somewhere yeah. now for memories and then it just vanishes. But but you'll never forget the journey, right? 100%, like the people you're 100%. with and like the coaches and yeah. and stuff like that, which 100%. is important. Yeah. yeah. The journey is incredible. You know, you, you touched upon your parents focusing on ensuring that you're happy. And that's, that's so, so powerful these days because like as a society overall, we're so focused on just, you know, everything's a means to an end. Right. People are just focused on, I, I need to have this house, I need to drive this car, I need to have this job, I need to be earning this salary, blah, blah. Everything is just a focus on, I just need to tick a box and move on, tick a box and move on. Um, how do you sort of, you know, how do you mentally sort of work around all that where all this success comes to you and along that journey as well? It's not always successes. There are failures, there are challenges, there are all these things. What sort of, you know, mental tricks do you have in place to teach yourself to continue to sort of, you know, to be resilient, to bounce back. Because athletes are known for, you know, injuries. That, that's a big fear as an athlete. The, your biggest asset is your, is your body. And if, you, if something happens to your body, you're like, oh, shit, okay, that's, that's set me back a lot. How do you mentally fortify yourself? Um, I, have, I have a few tricks, and that's, that's a really good question because, um, and again, that's, that's just my personal journey. And, and the way I actually learn is from reading other people's personal journeys and and how they deal with it and and then you kind of combine them all together or or trial and error and what works for you who, who, who do you mainly use who, who are men, the persons when i when i was growing up i always looked up to muhammad ali okay well. muhammad ali was the most like who i looked up to outside of my family yeah. like i always looked out for my family and i think the key here is i always i always figured and this is this could be advice for everyone actually listening it's like sometimes you don't need to look too far. Like we're always trying to Google like all these people that we don't know or we're trying to read a book or whatnot. Like, man, like just go sit on the couch and talk to your mom mm. and dad. Like you can actually probably get a lot of inspiration from there. Talk to your brothers. Like start from home. Like don't make it too hard. Um, like they just have different lives. Um, like like I have, I have a different life than someone from where I come from, from Sudan, my family that lives there. But I got the opportunity to be in Australia and and run like i mean not many people had that so so like that's why like i'm living an extraordinary life and and this life that's blown up but doesn't mean anyone else back home is any less their journey could actually be more powerful Mm. it's just not recorded or or stuff like that so that's number one is you know having having powerful mentors and number two man is is to be honest what i did really well i don't know if i fluked it or where i learned it from but always understanding what your values are and their priorities so you know you know relationship with god is important you know because you know that's that's super important especially for our families that's so important and and the best thing about that is um you you kind of your love is there whether you deserve it or not so so it's always there like if you do something bad you can you can get back Mm. um you know you're always given second chances and whatnot so and that's the same thing i was speaking about my family like are you happy like you can work back and they'll they'll always kind of be there for you um number two is like it's like your health like um you also get to understand like sports is taxing in your body and as you said before like your body is an asset so like once you understand that like you put your health as a priority you actually become a better athlete because you know like it's not it's not how hard you push your body it's how smart 
you can push both your body and mind together. Um, like if I go train every single day as hard as possible, believe it or not, I'll get injured pretty soon. Um, but if I if I train my mind and rest my body and focus on on all the other stuff, like trying to get a purpose, like your why is so much more important, then you get that much more drive and so mm. much more energy. So yeah, priorities, strong mentors, and literally going through it. You gotta. I tell these people all the time, like just go through it. Like um, you've got to serve your time. You can't just have a smooth smooth path if i if i was to expect to have a smooth path you know like when i first wanted to be the fastest in australia i came last in the final like i would have quit there yeah um or when i didn't make the final in rio that's another time i could have quit or what about the other time um in doha i got knocked out of the heats in the world champs in london i got knocked out of the heats um at the world champs you know he's like if all you care about is that um then it's easy for you to give up but if you care about the journey like man for me like as i said before my my parents like have five brothers so we never got the opportunity to travel and i was like man if i'm losing races and still get to travel the world like i'm still winning i'm still winning (laughs) like that's that is the biggest win for me like um i'm still traveling the world and getting to see different people different cultures like i'm in paris one time i'm in there like traveling the world for free yeah there you go go. like that's that's big motivation (laughs) like i mean that's important you know so i was like man i'm gonna keep doing this you know because you know like you got to travel the world and the things you enjoy and i and i think i'm a people person i enjoy having conversations with different people and what better sport it is than athletics to it's so diverse and you've got every single culture and you travel the world like at this at this point in my life i've got friends from all over and and that's like i think that's so powerful like my competitors are some of my my good friends and and whether i'm in kenya i call up some friends and like man let's let's hang out and they're like no you come stay at my house or if i'm like for example, I spent like I think two weeks in Luxembourg, and and this guy was in I didn't even know Luxembourg was a country. <laughs> and like, I was like, "What? You're from where?" In in my first Olympics, like Luxembourg. I'm like, "Oh no, this this guy thinks I'm dumb. Like he's trying to play games." Um, and then f- three years later, I'm at I'm at his place, and he's showing me his country, and I spent two weeks with him, and some of the best time I had. Yeah. It's just which is awesome. Yeah, you've traveled the world. Give us your favorite country. Oh, my favorite country. Oh, that's a hard one. Uh, I spent quite a bit of time in Germany, but I think my favorite, and it has to be because I think it was um, it was South Africa because I haven't been home since since I left. And South Africa is not where I was born, but just being back there, I was like, man, this is this is cool. Like this is this is the continent where where I came from, and I, mm. and this is why I think it'd be so. I haven't been back to Sudan since I left. So I th- this is why I think like to win the next games, the next aspiration is to go home where you're born. Yeah. You just get, you just feel like this energy and like be a hero's welcome, a hero's yeah. return. Yeah, it, it just, it just be cool. Like it's just, it's just home. Um, but then there's like countries like that I loved, like Barcelona, like um, like I did jet skiing and guitar, and that was cool. Like stuff like that, you know. Every country has its own experience but i realize it's the people that make it yeah, make it the most the most powerful and and the best experience possible like you can go to any country with the right people and and you'll have a good time yeah. there's a lot of upsides in, in in your life right now you're traveling for free right you're having fun <laughs> riding jet skis and but i'm training, training yeah. 100%, which we'll get into later <laughs> yeah. and here's my question right now there's a lot of upsides now let's talk about the downsides right you get eliminated at a heat or you lose or you don't get a gold medal or something. You know, how do you 
how should someone, you know, I guess, control that defeat? Now, do you feel just flat and be like, oh, damn. Or how do you control that? How do you motivate yourself back to be like, you know what? Next one, I got this one. I'm actually glad you asked that question because I remember when I was, I was trying to be better and trying to look at everyone's stories. And you always just see, like, the successes and, and whatnot. And I think you get so much more from someone's, like, raw story. Mm. Like, the struggles and whatnot. Like, I could sit here and tell you, like, you travel the world, you meet people, like, which is what we've been talking about. But the, the other part of it is, like, man you're away most of the time from from the same people that that made you who you are like um your family you're away for a long time um you know to build strong connections sometimes you need to be there you know so building relationships you need to be there sometimes and and you miss people you miss family like um i'm in germany like oh and like oh for example my family's celebrating eden you see that in like oh man, I wish I was home. Like mm. I, that's all I want to do is, is be home. But then that's another aspect. Like you, there's sacrifices you gotta, you gotta make for the, for the greater things that you gotta do. Right. So I think, I think more than missing heats and losing races is probably the things that you miss, like missing your little siblings growing up or your niece and nephews that you can't be there for. Cause I, I think like, that's the most important thing, hands down. Like, I mean, like, I mean, just in a general term, like you work so hard, like to start a family, to to provide for your family and to spend time with them. But if your job kind of takes you away from it, then then it gets pretty hard, I guess. Um, so that's that's the downside. And I guess with free travel, you're also spending a lot of time in the air. <laughs> like I mean, it'd be a lot easier if you can just kind of teleport. Telep- yeah, teleport to a different <laughs> country, right? But like Europe isn't that close. You spend 19 hours and yeah, then there's jet lag and and there's there's going through security in and out and it's so repetitive so like that part of travel is not that fun the fun part is getting there right but you have to do all these things to kind of get there that's the downside how much flights do you have in a year man i have so many flights at the moment i don't even i don't think there's a single month in the last few years that i haven't gone on a flight more than four times or something like that in a month yeah I hate flying, so that's what I mean. Like, like you, <laughs> like people say, man, I want to travel the world, but they hate flying. Yeah, like you, can, you can't miss, you can't skip that part, especially when Australia. Like for me, just to fly, I'm going Perth on Sunday to see my family. That's a four-hour flight. Yeah, <laughs> like, like that's that's a long flight. So that's that, and yeah, and on the other things like getting dropped out of heats, it's it's not fun, man. Um, I used to I used to suck and I used to hate it. And I used to whinge, and I remember the first time I got knocked out of heat at the Olympics. I gained like weight. I didn't want to come back to training. It was just, it was just like, especially you're at the world stage, and you're like, oh man, I let every everyone down, and you're representing your country, you're representing your community. Uh, it's it's pretty hard. It's pretty hard to cope with. And then and then on top of that, it happens again a few times. It's just like I don't want to do this anymore. You know, it's like it's just just getting too hard. Uh, but then you're like, no, nah, I actually do love it and enjoy it. But the key is there. It's kind of just, you kind of let yourself go through it because um, it's important. You know, it's not always easy. So I just let myself go through it. Like, as I said, my biggest asset was like, and I'm lucky enough, like, to not go to training when, because it's an individual sport, when I didn't feel like it. So after the Olympics, I didn't feel like going to training. I didn't feel like forcing my body to go to training when I didn't. I didn't feel like being there. So I focused on other things. I just went home and spent time with family. Or played basketball again, stuff that you kind of enjoy doing. And then when you miss it, you kind of come back. But I know not a lot of people are fortunate enough, like, if they're not enjoying the job they're doing, they just kind of sit home because there's a risk there that they'll lose it and there's security there that you lose it. So you got to find alternative ways 
to kind of cope and deal with it or or it's like work on a long plan to to find something that else that you enjoy doing because i think i think that's where the hardship is is when we get stuck doing things that we don't really want to do um and the greatest peace and joy happens when when you do the things you love doing and be around the people you want to be around how important is a really strong support system? Because you mentioned so much about the travel and all that type of stuff, and that notion of you know you speak to a lot of people who are who are very successful, be it in business, be it in sport, be it in media, whatever the case may be. There's that notion of being surrounded but still alone. You know what I mean? You're surrounded by so many people, but there's an inherent loneliness that's there, and it's not because people don't want to be around you or whatever it is. It's because so few people can relate to you after a while. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you obviously you, you go out to the world and you've got so, such a large audience now and people want to listen to your story. But how many can truly relate? How many can actually connect with you? It's a challenge that many of us face. You know, when you're at the peak of your profession, at the peak of your powers, you know, who can you confide in? Who can you share with? Who can you open up to? Uh, it's, it's one of those challenges. And it, it for many people, it becomes a big mental challenge. And that's where... You get, you know, artists and people like that who are hugely successful at what they do, but then they commit suicide and they get into really bad habits, drugs, alcohol, and, and whatnot. And so so how, how do you avoid that type of stuff? How do you ensure that, you know, I've always got a really strong network around me? Yeah. So part of the reason that, you know, last year I've had a great year and then followed up again by this year having a great year and that I can be wherever I want to be and still train and become successful is is literally by because whatever country i'm at whatever city i'm at i'm creating like a powerful support team like i've got i've got it in perth so that's why i can go to perth and and train there i've got i've got my family there i've got a training group there to kind of train with me and then i've got it here in in melbourne and then you gotta have those consistent people so i've got my coach who's consistent so wherever i am in the world he'll send me i can just pick up the phone call him send me training stuff I've got my manager who actually comes to Europe most of the times with me. So he's there consistent. I've got my training partner, Joseph, another consistent face. Um, so Joseph, we live together here. So when we're in Europe, it doesn't really feel like we're somewhere else mm. because it feels like there's familiar face. You got to make sure wherever you are, if you're switching places, there's some type of familiarities around. And I've got those faces around me and the support team around me. Like I've got, got my manager would call me every two weeks. Like, And it's not like, it's not stressful because it's not like, he's again, like they do this great thing where it's not, we really ever speak about sport. It's like, well, h- how you doing? What's news? Uh, yeah, that's actually his word. What's news, mate? They take a mind off it. They yeah, I guess yeah, you mind off it. Like, um, yeah. like, what's going on? And I think that's more powerful because I don't, I don't like to stress a lot. I don't like to think about the sport much. Um, I feel like if I'm, I'm when I'm training, I'm training. When I'm off training, it's time like to literally be be in the zone and be present. Like if I'm here, like I want to be present in this conversation. Mm. You don't want to be talking about sports all the time and whatnot. So so having that is important. But also I think, you know, you said it before, and part of sometimes being super successful, it does require a bit of loneliness in you to be alone because, you know, you got to go places where other people don't want to go. Mm. You, you can't, it's, it's, it's unrealistic to expect the people you want to take with you everywhere you want to go just to follow you on your success it's just hard like it's hard like i can tell my family to move to melbourne i can try to get them to go to europe like no it doesn't work that yeah. way you've got to, you've got to take that accountability and that sacrifice like is that what you want you gotta know what it comes with it like you know you're you're in europe for three four months of the time and yeah you are alone essentially but you've got you've got people there but like you still feel alone 
Mm. But sometimes we feel alone even when we're at home, you know? True. So so that's the hard part. And I think the best thing is 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 when you do feel that hardship and when it's getting too much, um, there's a part where you got to be resilient and you got to work on it. But sometimes, it's sometimes literally, you got to pause, stop and reevaluate. It's mm. Maybe it's not for you. Maybe the, maybe the best thing maybe the best thing isn't to keep holding on like the motivational quote like you got to keep holding on holding on holding on maybe maybe the hardest thing is actually to let go sometimes because you just you just think you got to kind of keep holding on like for example if honestly like i did not enjoy athletics anymore no matter how good i am at it and and i keep holding on to it then you're not really happy so like what success do you want mm. do you want do you want the success on the track or do you want the success out the tr- outside of the track and for me i i choose outside of the track for sure. Like if I'm not happy, I'll I'll pull the pin. No matter no matter how big Paris is, no matter how every I've got now the whole like the communities around is Peter Ball, Paris, 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 Paris. But if I'm generally not happy, I'm strong enough to pull the pin and say like I I don't want to do it anymore. But I'm not on that stage and, and I do enjoy doing it. So you gotta just and as well being successful sometimes you gotta be selfish. You gotta know what's good for you. because once once you're in that public eye now, there's like there's this thing I did this year. So every race, I think this is why, going back again, like why I get nervous in Australian races is because like all the write-up is like, oh, it's, you know, the Australian record is is on threat and whatnot and whatnot and, not, and all that stuff. And I mean, man, this year, I just started like racing those races and literally doing what the Kenyans did. I intentionally put the handbrake and slow the races down. Mm. Like um, just mentally for me, like I'm, I'm not falling into the trap of the yeah. expectations and falling to them like it's Peter. I'm not gonna go run my my body to the max to try run every single race fast and entertain the crowd and whatnot. Mm. I am still focusing on my priorities, which is my health. Um, it's important. I'm not gonna go push my body towards its limit. I'm still focusing you're in on control. That. I'm in control. You you're gotta yeah. you gotta be in control. Yeah, you gotta be in control in your own and your own self. Once once you lose a little bit of control, every single where that's when you kind of go crazy mm-hmm. and I don't want to lose control. Like, like everything that I'm doing is because I want to do, like I'm here because I want to be here. And another thing is when you get successful and like, of course, um, there's so much more opportunities. There's so much more invites. There's so many more ways you can make money. And it's your ability to say no that you're getting control. Like if you're chasing money, then you can, you're going to be like running everywhere. But if you're chasing peace and you're chasing things you enjoy doing, like no matter how much something, like big opportunity, like you're like, no, that's not me. That's not my values. Like I'm uh, like, I'm not chasing that money, but it's hard if you don't have your values in control because you always chase the next thing. Exactly. Yeah. Talk about your, talk, talk to us about your, your training regime. No, I follow you on Instagram and you don't follow me back. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's all good. <laughs> but Mate, um, when you get to training, then you can get a follow back. <laughs> but, um, and it just, I think it was yesterday on your story, you always like oh, in the gym running, you know, slim body. I'm like, that. that's goals right there. <laughs> but um, I don't think I'll ever be like that. But obviously you're super fit. You're an athlete, you're an Olympian. And in a lot of people's eyes, you're, you're a champ, right? And, um, Take us through your training regime. I'm assuming it's full on, right? And and to compete with the best in the world, it has to be full on, mm. right? So what do you do? Right? But, talk talk us through that. But it's structured. So that's I think that's the danger of social media. It's like what you see is not exactly what happens, or you don't see 
the behind the behind yeah. the scenes right i've always said man i wish i could had time to like create behind the scenes then you you're not kind of giving false information but i'm not like uh, that photo you've seen like i am lean i am fit uh but like like how did you get there mm. it's not it's not with that one session 100% it's yeah. not that session so I've, we've got a structure and and with that structure i don't set it myself like i don't sit there thinking about any workout i just i just kind of look at it my coach sets that whole training structure and we look at it and i just communicate based on my body i'm like oh coach i want looking a little bit too hard today mate um maybe maybe my, my body is not is not ready for that one so he sets the structure and i respond the communication is so important like communication is important in business communication is important in sport like right now i just i came back from a physio appointment and and i was like my physio uh, my groin's feeling a little bit sore and like self awareness is key too i know why my groin's feeling so cuz i train in perth i train at my own pace and now i'm in melbourne i'm with a group of boys and the motivation is is high it's mm. so easy to overwork so like monday with this speed session and and the boys are sending it so so i'm sending it with them tuesday uh which is yesterday i did i did 20 24 by 40 seconds mm-hmm. uh, w- w- your rest was only 20 seconds and we're sending it like last thursday i threw up up the hill because we were sending it like mm. stuff that stuff that i wouldn't do in perth every now and then is is good to push yourself like that but you can't push yourself like that every single day and that's and that's when you have that structure with you so monday speed tuesday is easy work it's not supposed to be too hard wednesdays you go see a physio um you go for easy jog um thursday you got hills building building muscles um friday you're in the gym building strength saturday you got the endurance stuff the long stuff um and then sunday you get a day off so like that structure like so so many people would like see it and follow it for like a week a month but we we've been following it for years so it's like consistency over years and over years of time and the first time i came in with justin my coach it was like three times a week it wasn't six times a week or five times a week whatever we're doing right now so it took time and i wish you can document that like social media doesn't you don't see that like you don't see that i've trained like my body's conditioned even at my at my shape being the fourth fastest in the world whatever number um i take two months off i come back my body's not conditioned i have to take it slow and then you have people that never did it again and they want to follow the same training mm. that you did it's it's a setup for failure it's just, it's it's discouraging if you try to go follow what i do because you like you see that it's like that's impossible well it is unless you break it down to steps right and steps over years of time yeah i've got a question on behalf of us and i guess on behalf of the 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 common people out there not the athletes <laughs> diet <laughs> to 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 look like you to 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 perform like you that is very very difficult and i consider the fact that you come from a migrant family where big meals shared meals a notion of a sufra you know we yeah. have a spread out meal and what not and you know traditional mums are all about you know what yeah son you look too skinny eat 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 your mom always tries to yeah. feed you <laughs> and like she said you got to eat, eat 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 all the time <laughs> how on earth do you balance all that how, how do you I mean, any tricks that you can have for us you know common folk i mean naturally we all migrants like we actually eat pretty well like our food is actually like if you, considering you eat at home yeah like i mean i never knew what macas was or hungry jacks um growing up i never had i never had money to go to hungry jacks and what not so i was just grateful for what i had on my plate at home mm. and it was usually homemade food 
majority of the time. It, it wasn't it wasn't an issue until later on when like you started your first job and whatnot. And my first job was like a KFC, so it was <laughs> it was ridiculous, right? <laughs> but um, but other than that, you're always eating at home, and and home food is always pretty good for you, right? And and like the way our families do it, we share foods, we share plates. There's heaps of fruits, there's heaps of that and that. Um, so di- diet is important because diet is your fuel, right? Mm. So if your body is an acid, then you got to fuel it with with the right petrol, right? So so you, it's an understanding of again is if your body and self awareness and and the common body, like you know, you know, if you go to a gym, like you've broken all these muscles and whatnot, and to repair it. You know, in a general rule, you, you got to eat straight away, like 20, 20 grams of protein, whatever it is, right after to start repairing that that recovery. Because, because I guess your strength or your gains come from how well you recover, and you can come back the next day. Mm-hmm. It's not how well you can do this session and take six days off and come back and do the same session that hard. It's how well you can recover and repeat that over time, session after session after session mm-hmm. or whatnot. Uh, so it's important. You know, I think people speak about nutrition a lot, but I think most importantly. Is giving yourself rest. Sleep is so powerful. You need to sleep. You need to rest. So that's important too. Um, you need to wake up and you need to eat. I know a lot of athletes are scared to eat, or like especially racing. Sometimes like ah, oh, I don't because I used to go through it. I was like I don't want to throw up and whatnot. Mm. But you actually need fuel to compete, and then you need fuel to recover. So those two are important, and it's gonna be the right things. And I know a lot of people are scared to. There was this athlete. Uh, I do. I do a lot of. Um, community work and I was doing something in Queensland a few weeks ago and, and this athlete is and this is the dangers of the internet and he's and he's so innocent he's young and he wants to be the best and and he's like it's like he made a cake that's like zero sugar I'm like what? <laughs> that's torture that's, that's zero sugar I'm like, I'm like you need sugar like after a long run like your body needs sugar it's like it's like just there's there's something called balance rather than like completely not so like for me like to I do like 60k's a week for me to like rub sugar completely outside of my diet I, I wouldn't I wouldn't yeah. be the athlete that I am today uh, so you need to you need to kind of you know balance that it's, again it's like how you can't keep yourself that stress you gotta eat right but you but you do have guilty pleasures I had KFC cheat last days. night I had cheat KFC days. last night too I had two <laughs> Zinger burgers last night uh, okay I didn't have two Zinger burgers <laughs> that's, that's the difference <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the difference uh, even, even if I did I trained twice today. Oh, so, so there's that's the difference. difference, mate. The I'm difference. not training twice today. <laughs> there's a difference. See, like that's how it works, you know. So I I can get away with with a few things, yep. um, because I am training more and whatnot. But again, it's like, what's your goal at the end of the day? Mm. Like, if 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 you wanna have a six pack or whatever it is, um, then maybe lay off the two zinger burgers. <laughs> have have one, you know, um, stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Like, like obviously that that kind of works, but for for me like personally, it's not about having a six pack. It's not about that. For me, I couldn't care less about a six pack or but not. You do have a six pack. I do, but it's I don't work so for I saw it. Yesterday on your story, oh. <laughs> <laughs> coming back to the <laughs> it's, back not, it's, not, it's not Photoshop. It's genuine. <laughs> it's genuine. <laughs> it's not Photoshop. But like a six pack is not. It's not like if they say win a gold and you and you have no six pack. I'm, man, I'm taking the gold. In, in the like the six, pack, the six pack is gone. <laughs> Like take it, take everything. Like um, that's that's my goal. Like, is to to be a faster runner. Yeah, hundred percent. Now, you are Muslim. Yeah, we're all Muslims here. Now, after all your success, how did the Muslim community in Australia take that? Have you, did you are you seeing the love? Are you seeing the support? What's what's happening with Peter Ball in the Muslim world? Yeah, a, a lot of love because obviously a lot of people didn't obviously know 
because I was born in Sudan, so yeah. um, Sudan's Muslim country, uh, and a lot of people didn't know your story. So it's once your story comes, but at the same time, like I've I've had like really good connections with like um, the Bashahuli um, program and and all those guys, and we've always kind of stayed close. So like like that's all I needed at times, you know. They they like just felt like a brotherhood there. Mm. Like you know, I do a lot of uh, workshop and work with their with their students. And I remember sitting there one time. And the kids are like so grateful and and everything they have there, and I'm like, man, like they're trying to thank you. I'm like, man, I'm learning more than you guys are. <laughs> like, like this this is cool. Like, yeah. I, I'm a student too. Like, I, we, it's like hand in hand. It's like I mean, it's like having that having that brotherhood with you. It's it's okay. So it's like training. I can train by myself in Perth, but when I come here with my with my training group, it's just so much easier. It's the same thing there. It's like you can. You can sway away from from your religion based on, I guess, I guess your environment. But if you come closer, it makes it a lot easier. Then it's always easier to to kind of, you know, there's always temptations and whatnot right mm. out there. But it's always easier to put yourself in better places than putting yourself in bad places and try to stay strong and avoid temptations. Like I think it's just take yourself out of that environment and make it a little bit easier. So it's always I think the key is always to be amongst amongst the people that believe what you believe and value what you what you value but man i've had so much love from from so many people around the country it's, it's been on it's just been unreal so much support uh from you guys as well and it's just been awesome it's just been great and then also like for me to discover like all these people around it's like before because i didn't really know like i come i came from perth so I'm just a boy living in Richmond. All I knew is like I go for coffee every morning and whatnot. My housemate in my training group and and then the Basha Huli Huli crew that I knew. Other than that, I didn't really know anyone else. So now like your network is extended so mm. much more. So it's so it's cool and I think that's and that's why it's powerful. It's like you get access to things you didn't have before, and and you are in control and you get to choose. Like I've got access to so much more things, but of course I choose wisely. What I what I pick and what I don't pick and staying in certain communities serves me more like doing community work serves me a lot more purpose like doing work with Bachahuli's Academy has always been like hands down like helped me more than I felt like it helped me more than I was giving mm. you know what I mean because you're in that environment you're in that brotherhood that you grew up in that obviously I miss because I'm not home with my family anymore I'm out on my own now you know and I've been out here on my own for six years so it's a lot easier when I was at home to be in that environment, you know. So, yeah, it's yeah. been cool. You, you you talk about your engagement with the Muslim community and whatnot. Now, obviously, with your success, there are so many young Muslim boys and girls out there who are looking at you, inspired by you, aspiring to be like you. What's the advice that you can share with them? Obviously, this is you know, followed this podcast is listened to by so many people, and they, they, everyone looks at you know, obviously individuals like yourself and Bashar Huli and so many others like that, and inspired by them because they can relate to them. They say, look, you know what? He's a fellow Muslim brother or sister who has reached the pinnacle of their sport, and I want to be like that. What, what's the advice that you give to someone who's you know, a young, you know, ten-year-old Peter well, Bowl of tomorrow? Well, one, and I think we, all of us that are on top or perceived to be on top is we can agree to this like we're not perfect man we we make mistakes too um the the only the good thing that we do is we are happy with who we are Mm. and that's that's key man because in this world man there's 
like especially when I was at school, like you got your friends doing all different things and whatnot and friends swaying this way. And just just be proud of who you are, where you come from and what you believe in and the rest will take care of itself. When when you're confident, then you're at peace and man, things just start working out. Like it's 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 hard when of course like it's okay to try to figure out what you want to do and whatnot but it's it's hard when you're trying to figure out who you are from different people it's like you're unique because of who you are and the way and the way you are like take pride in that and that's that's always been important and for me over the years it took time like uh, you know from trying to trying to be accepted in different communities and whatnot and and trying to be a different person here and then like i mean i share this story all the time like my first my first olympic games and this is honestly this is true like i was i was i was at the olympics and i went to the track to warm up and and you could see every single different culture right so in in one side i saw the jamaicans man and i saw you saying bolt and they were there and they had music blasting, man. I was like, man, these guys are having fun. They look like they already won the Olympics. And I look to the other side and I see um, I see the Kenyans and the East Africans. They're so skinny. I was like, man, they look so shy and nervous. They look like they've already lost the Olympic Games. Mm-hmm. And then you see the Australians, the Americans, they look tense and serious. And I'm like, I want to be like the Jamaicans. Those guys are the real winners. And at the end of the championships, man, the Jamaicans dominated. The Kenyans dominated. The Americans dominated a lot of sports. And Australians dominated the swimming and their sports, and I was like, also like, it took me that long to realize, man, um, to dominate you have to dominate, being confident of who you are mm. first, because like you try to be every single body else, it takes so much more energy. Is you gotta you gotta be happy with who you are, no matter who's around, behind closed doors or in front of anyone, whatever. You gotta be at peace with who you are and what you believe. So figure out what your belief system is. And, and hold that closer to you. And I think the best people in the world that are successful is those that are just at peace. Like I'm at peace with who I am. Like um, I don't I don't care other other people don't don't believe what I believe. It doesn't it doesn't disqualify them from me treating them any differently or if they believe something different, like I am who I am and I'm and I'm proud of that. Yeah. It's a very strong message. That's what I'm okay. Now uh, Obviously, track and field and what in Australia is not probably the most common sport, right? Over here, you're up against uh, AFL, NRL, cricket, so many other codes of sport. Um, you're not only an ambassador for the Muslim community here, but you're also an ambassador for the sport, track and field in Australia, athletics in Australia. What's something that obviously you've come up through this system now, you've been part of this system for a long, long time. What's something that you feel would make you know your, uh, let's say, category of sport more appealing and attractive to young talent coming through the ranks compared to the, the other competing sports, AFL, NRL, and others like that. I, I think I think our sport can be can be a powerful foundation in a sense that um, you were I work I work through like foundations. Like when I first moved to Australia, I knew like the foundation was like one is to learn the language. Like if I learned English. I could go into science, I could go into math, I could understand all these things. But if I didn't speak English, every other class is hard. So I focus on speaking English first. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be honest, the only reason I got into athletics was like, because I knew like if I got faster, fitter, I could play more basketball, I could jump high and whatnot. So like I know a lot of people from my communities love football, love soccer. And like by all means, do that, enjoy that. But um, but to be honest, work on the foundations, man. Got to get your fitness up. Got to get your got to get your strength up. And it's like a powerful foundation because athletics, different to other sport, it's it's individual. 
So mm. it allows you to set personal goals. It allows kids earlier on to set personal goals and achieve them. And like, you're not you're not in a team sense where like you're setting a team goal and like dealing with different personalities and whatnot. You're dealing with your own self and setting your own personal goals. So it allows you to do that pretty early. And then when you are in a team sport, team environment, you can still, it's like, okay, yeah, I can have a team goal. It's okay to be yourself. It's okay to set your own goals within that team as well. So I think, I think that that's like, a message that can be delivered like that to our community is powerful because I think f- like building strong foundations is, is to be honest, is, is what the community does. What, that's what the community needs. Like we need to build strong, confident foundations and, and, and we already have them is just make sure that we believe in them and, mm. and take pride in them. Like we, like, mate, like I think some of my best foundations is, is culture. We have culture. Like we have amazing culture and, and that's like my power, most powerful asset on the track. It's like I'm going more leaning towards my culture and who I am. So I think, I think that. Yeah. What does the future hold for Peterball? I mean, you're planning, you're training for the next Olympic, and obviously, your profile's booming, your sponsors on board. What's the future for you? What, what's your game plan next five, ten years? Oh, obviously, you can't run for the rest of your life. So there has to be post Olympic life. Yeah. What's in your mind? I mean. First, f- the beauty of that question, and also I think a lot of people think that's stressful, is man, like as much as I plan to win the Olympics Games or be at the Olympic Games, you might not even be there. You don't actually know. Mm-hmm. So it's important to set those goals and and to have them there, but it's important to actually do other things as well because mm. like it cannot, it can just be not under your control that you're not there sometimes. Like imagine if COVID happened, it's like that was not under your control and you're focusing yeah. on that. But man, for me personally is... I enjoy, I enjoy, I enjoy a bit of property. So I love, I'd love to get into that after. Um, property as in just real estate, pro- real estate property investments. Good. All right. I enjoy that. Um, I also love, love, love community work. And I always do that. So I enjoy doing the workshops. I enjoy spending time with the youth and, and even not more than the youth. I think everyone needs it. Like just, just sharing your stories, sharing your journey, uh, being in the community and helping people like be confident in who they are and like build strong communities and in turn we build like a stronger country and mm. and whatnot and we can help so many other people out um i'd love to run my own foundation as well so there's heaps of things that i want to do uh and then number three i think the last one I'd, I'd love to live back at home for a bit that would be cool mm. perth I'm like home home, home, home. <laughs> oh home home right okay yeah. <laughs> perth <laughs> <laughs> all right um do you have any questions no. all right so as before we wrap up now the way we end this podcast is we ask 10 out of interest questions pretty much rapid fire questions yep so Let's if you don't mind it. i'm gonna pull out my phone and just ask you 10 questions and um, you could take as long or as little time as you want to answer them. yep so you ready yep most famous person you've met? Whoa. Uh, sheesh, that's a hard one. Um, most famous person I've met? I'll probably go say same Bolt, maybe. Same Bolt? Yeah. yeah you, you interacted with him? You just like saw him chilling? No, no, no. Well, I run, so I get to see him quite a bit back yeah. in the days. Yeah. Is he tall? Yeah, he's massive. Like 6'4". 6'4". <laughs> yeah. Damn. All right. Favorite food? Favorite food is gonna be chicken wings. Chicken wings <laughs> yeah. from KFC. No, 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 KFC. I'm um, like proper chicken wings. Proper chicken wings. <laughs> Favorite superhero. Um, I like the Joker. Ooh. I don't know if he's a superhero, but 
don't think he doesn't. He, he doesn't have he's any. A villain. He's, he's <laughs> Batman. Well, no, actually, we, we did this in English, right? It's like at school, and the themes like whether Joker is a hero or a villain, and it was awesome to kind of write around, yeah. around that theme. But I, I like the Joker, the Heath Ledger Joker. Heath Le- that's yeah. solid. That's just that's yeah. just the most Unbeatable. powerful character. Unbeatable. Like yeah. that's. But if I mean, if you're gonna, that I might have to choose. I guess Spider Man. Solid. Favorite fast food restaurant. Uh, is Nando's fast food? I believe so. Technically, technically, yes. I think yeah. Nando's. All right, Nando's. What, what, what do you like from Nando's? Um, the chicken. <laughs> <laughs> the peri peri. Peri peri. Yeah. Do you get extra hot? Oh uh, no no no! I just get I just get mild and no. then put some extra hot. Sauce all right, on. all right. Uh, what is your deepest fear? Um, not. I guess my deepest fear has to be like not exceeding my own expectations. All right. What do you think is the key to living a good life? Um, the key to living a good life, understand self-awareness, understanding who you are and being happy with it. Is there a quote that resonates with you? Um, no, actually. No? Not a single, not that I, not that I can think of. Maybe we get back to that one. Or we could change it to what's your favorite movie? Ah, <laughs> uh, the Batman. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> or Jasper Jones, actually. But the book. Have you seen Jasper Jones? No, I have not. No. We, uh, have you read the book? Just It's a good book. Jasper Jones. Jasper Jones, yeah. I'll suss okay. that out. Uh, what motivates you the most? My family. Family. What is something you want to tick off in your bucket list? Um, travel through Africa and South America. Solid. And what advice would you give 18-year-old Peter Ball? Um, stop whinging and crying. <laughs> like, um, it's, you're not living that much of a hard life. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's actually good, good it's advice. It's part of growing up. I think, uh, as, as, I think yeah. as you get older, you have more perspective and you're like, you know what? I haven't had it too bad. Whereas yeah. When you're living through that time, you're like, it, it, Man, it cannot get worse. Thing. Exactly. <laughs> it could not be worse. I used to whinge about everything. Like, if I, if I knew I was going to be where I am right now, I wouldn't have whinged through anything. I would have had a more peaceful time after the Olympics, enjoyed the environment yeah. and and embraced the people and not made the people around me like just giving them bad energy, you know? But it's part of the experience, you know, you can't you can't go back. Yeah. It's one of those things I think I think while you're young, you, you focus a lot on what you don't have. Yeah. What's not working for you. As you get older, you get that perspective, you're like, you know what, there's so much that is going for me. Because yeah. I think you meet so many other people, you have so many interactions with people who are less fortunate, who have less than you, and you're like, you know what? I should be counting my blessings. I'm very, very fortunate for what I have. And even if it's not a lot, even just that little bit is more than what the person who has less than that has. Exactly right. You know what I mean? So it's just that maturity perspective. Mm-hmm. It's powerful. On that note, Peter, do you have any last words? Oh, thank you for having me. Um, it's been a pleasure. No, it's, uh, the pleasure's been ours. Yeah, Before we cut off, I do want to give you a tiny gift. I know you'll be joining us tomorrow's event. Uh, tomorrow's event is going to be pretty cool. Now, we do have these T-shirts. There's only 23 of these printed. Uh-huh. All right? And we are giving these out, 10 of them, in tomorrow's event. Look but we that. do want to give you one as thank memories. So, there you go. That's one of yours. Thank you very much. Um, 23 of them printed. So hopefully you can keep that. I'll keep that until one. The end of, don't lose it like your medals. No, no, no. See, I'll keep this one. I can wear this one. I can't be wearing my medal around the streets. Don't wear that in, 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 the, um, in the airport. I wore that in the airport. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're putting you off security. In, I got in big trouble. Ran, random security check. <laughs> random security check. Like nobody's business. But on that note, Peter, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Uh, I think there's a lot that we've gained from you. 
your guidance, your knowledge, your experience has been phenomenal and I do believe you want to great things. You've already done great things both on and off the pitch and I do believe you'll continue doing that. We wish you the best and it's been, like I said, it's been great to have you on here. Thank so you. Thank you, Peter. Thank, thank you, you. Mazo. Thank you, Peter. Thank, thank you. you. Thank Cheers. you very much. Nice. That's it. How was that? And that cut. That is solid. It's good conversation. Yes. Engaging. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully you asked something you haven't been asked before. Yeah, for sure. It was actually, I really enjoyed that one. Like you know, I, 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 had, I, I had a question here that I wanted to ask, but I didn't ask. I thought it may be controversial. Go on. Your...